Welcome into the Locked On Knicks podcast. I'm Gavin Shaw. Today, I'm lucky enough to be joined by Fox Sports' NBA reporter, Jeroen Weitzman, who literally wrote the book on Joel Embiid. I think you know what we're going to talk about next on Locked On Knicks. You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes. You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. I want to remind you that this episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com. Slash Locked On today to get started. And I want to thank you for making Locked On Knicks your first listen today and every day because we are now available wherever you can get your podcast and, of course, on YouTube. And if you want to become one of my best friends, then join the club of every day or subscribe on YouTube. Hit that notifications bell so you never, ever miss an episode. And be sure to subscribe on your podcast platform of choice. But who's shilling for subs? I'm Gavin Shaw, your favorite play-by-play broadcaster's favorite play-by-play broadcaster and uh this uh I'll, I'll call my shot this is one of the best episodes we've done not only this summer but i'll say of the year your own weitzman is a super fun guy to talk to exceptionally good at his job and honestly like in terms of people who cover the philadelphia 76ers um along with our own devon givens and keith pompey over at locked on just flat out one of the best to do it, one of the most plugged in. So it was really, really cool to get his insight on Joel Embiid's comments, the whole situation, when a deal could go down, what it would look like, and uh, some thoughts on the Knicks offseason. I won't hold this up any further. Let's get into it right now with your own. All right, guys, as promised, we are joined by your own Weitzman, who covers the NBA and does an incredible job of it for Fox Sports. He's the, also the author, which is really very relevant to our conversation today of tanking to the top, the Philadelphia 76ers, and the most audacious process in the history of professional sports and your own. You got to know the guy we're talking about, Joel Embiid, decently while writing this book. And he came out with a quote yesterday that read, I just want to win a championship, whatever it takes, whether it's Philly or anywhere else. I'll leave it open-ended. What, what did you make of that? Um, also, thanks for having me on. Um, I was... I've heard people say they're not surprised. I was a little surprised. Um, not that Embiid might be getting antsy about the situation in Philly for all the reasons that I'm sure we'll talk about, but that you know anyone listening to this is uh, well aware of. Um, but and I tweeted this yesterday. Embiid's somebody, he's really smart, and Embiid knows when he says things, he does, it, he does them, he says things on purpose. He's not somebody who just lets things slide. Um, and him saying that, like he knows what he's saying, and I mean, I know he's tried the. Uh, I guess like, we say he's tried walking it back. I don't know this whole it's a troll campaign. His Twitter account's been a little weird. Um, I think Maury tweeted a little bit. I think I saw Sixers PRP. I don't know. There's been a whole troll thing. I'm not fully buying that. I don't know. That would be a really long game. I'm not buying that. Indeed, on Thursday in an interview at in undrip the conference, like drop that. And if you listen and watch the quote. Like it, it's not, it doesn't seem premeditated uh, to some kind of long game. When he count down five days, I guess now we're four days away, away from whatever this thing is. Um, so yeah, I was a little surprised by that, uh, that he would feel a need to put 
to me, that's him trying to put pressure or just get his opinion out there. And I'm a little surprised that he did that. He's mostly stayed away from that stuff during off seasons. He does them after the season. He'll criticize decisions. And after decisions are made, he'll often criticize them or express what he wished would happen. But in the, we haven't seen much of this from him during off season periods. Do you think it is kind of explicitly hard and related, like either find a way to keep this guy, or I guess in my opinion, more likely like find a way to get this guy off the team and bring in something else good? Um, that's a good question. I, I, so I guess I'll, pre- I'll preface all this. Like, I don't know, right? I haven't yeah. obviously spoken to Embiid since, I mean, at all right now, you know, and I this stuff and he hasn't done any media. We don't know. Uh, I don't know if it's explicitly hard and related. I think it's probably just explicitly team related. Like just looking around, he, that, the team's not good enough. Even if they bring back Harden, you could probably question whether they are good enough. They've Harden, the Harden thing has kind of uh, held them up a little bit in terms of their offseason decisions and movements and actions. And they haven't added, they've only lost guys. They haven't added any. I guess they've added uh, uh Mobamba, I don't know who am I forgetting. Yeah, I Patrick Beverly is the Patrick is the, Beverly, right? Yeah, like these are the guys they're adding. That's not those are not difference makers, right? Uh, and Harden's a year older, so I think it's probably more uh, just like this team's not good enough, and I know that. That'd be my guess. Just putting a little pressure on Daryl Morey, uh, and that's I mean, get this to me. One of the most interesting things I find about the Harden situation and how the Sixers have handled it, and how Morey has handled it, is it uh, maybe this is a nerdy way to look at it, but if you look at Daryl Morey as somebody who's um, He's an whether you're whether you're a fan of his or not, think he's overrated or not, whatever. He is an important figure in NBA history. There's, there's no arguing that. Like he's somebody who historically is going to end up mattering when we look back at the NBA and who matters in terms of the NBA and where it's at. And he has this is an incredible bet. The way they handled the Harden stuff, he has put an incredible bet. He's betting on himself in a really interesting way that he can sort of extricate himself from the situation and put the team back on, on the path towards contention. In a, and uh, and if he doesn't, he's going to be known as the guy who squandered this. Like, I don't think he wants to be the guy who tra- has to who traded Joel Embiid. Like, I don't think that's why he took the job in Philly to be the guy who traded Joel Embiid and closed the championship window. So, I find all that really interesting here as well. No, I I do as well. And I mean, he's like he's like obviously like revolutionized the game with how he invested in analytics. But he's also always been the two stars guy and and, and wanting to mm-hmm. build around two stars. And like making plays for stars and being ambitious and getting those guys and not being on the other end of those deals and trading those types of guys away. But I'm, I'm in total agreement with you. Like I, I think the notion of them just running back last year feels like almost like borderline, like crazy, like the like definition of insanity, I guess. Like, like as Harden, like all of a sudden in his mid thirties could be like, Oh, you know what? I, that was stupid where I struggled in the playoffs for 12 years. Like, mm-hmm. let me, let me reverse that now. Like Joel, like, I guess the bet is that like he is, for once like healthy and maybe that is always the bet with Joel that like he just has like a pristine postseason and like whatever afflicted him in like I don't maybe you have some insight into this like in, in game seven where he just didn't shoot very much in game six where he couldn't get the ball down the stretch and like like I guess the like maybe you're just arguing that like all right we think Tyrese Maxey could be an all-NBA guy next year but I just I don't see a world where this team is dramatically better where you could argue like the rest of the east got at least a little bit better I'll say this. So I, I would say the the arguments pro them getting better. It's mm-hmm. another Maxi jump, which historically Maxi has shown somebody who gets better, who's got the talent and the work ethic. And and I do feel we we all and myself included, we're overlooking. They have, they have a new coach, and I would think they probably internally uh, would grade that as a uh, and most people externally, but certainly internally, I think they would probably grade that as a big major upgrade. 
and maybe that could be a difference there. So I'm guessing those are the things they're talking about. And then internally, you know, if we get hardened back and the other thing is like Maury looks at the game differently than honestly most of us do, right? The way a lot of us do. Like he doesn't, I don't think, and I haven't spoken to him about it, but I don't think he would admit, and even off the record, like I don't think he would admit that Harden has some sort of playoff problem, right? I think he would just say, he would, there'd be rational explanations for the struggles that he would say and that he would see and list off. And to him, like there's no reason that those can't uh, disappear going forward, right? Um, I don't agree with that necessarily. Um, but I think he probably looks at that. So I'm guessing internally it's let's get Harden back, we get a little maxi jump. Uh, and we have a new coach, and that could be the difference there. And good enough to keep us in the game. And Maury's whole thing is about championship odds, right? He's always studying the championship odds. Um, and I'm guessing, like, he would say entering the season, if we just run these guys back, our odds are good enough, and then we kind of tweak here. Who knows who gets this run older? We could pick up whatever here and, you know, make these little tweaks and things along the edges. So I, I guess let's let's play this out going forward. Like, what would it actually take for Joel to ask out because I, I think <laughs> I, you would you would know a lot better than I would, but I buy into the idea that there that like he doesn't want to be that guy who like pushes for a trade and he does value what he's built in Philly and it's like it's so clear like with like like his loyalty to Hinky early in his career like like he was all in like he's like I want to be Mister Philadelphia and like to me like I think this is something that would happen next off season but is there a world like like what would have to go so wrong? For it to happen pre-trade deadline, even even preseason this year. All right, guys. So let's just say this trade is ultimately going to happen. What would the Knicks have to give up? Um, that sounds like it's ultimately going to be a gamble. And if you want to make a bet, take your first swing at betting MLB on FanDuel and get 10 times your first bet amount in bonus bets up to $200. That's right. Just bet 20 bucks and you'll land $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. That's 200 You can spend betting everything from the money line to the over-under to who you think is going to be the first home run. All on an app that's safe, secure, and I promise super easy to use. Plus, when you win, you get paid instantly. Personally, that is my favorite part. I don't want to wait. I just made some money. Let me have it. And there's no better place to do that and to bet on the MLB than FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. So sign up today and visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get up to $200,000 in bonus bets. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. Yeah, there's always a world. I'm with you. I wouldn't say, like, I guess I'll... I'll, I'll uh... I'll urinate on Knicks fans' uh, excitement, right? <laughs> but just, uh, I, I don't, I'd be stunned if, it, you know, within the next two weeks, next two months, you hear, oh, Embiid wants out, right? I'd be stunned. And by the way, and then I'll answer your question separately. Embiid could ask out tomorrow. And there's something we learned about Maury. Maury doesn't give a shit. Like, he, that doesn't mean he's going to trade him, right? He's under contract. He's not going to trade somebody for low value, all that stuff. So that's the other thing to kind of file away here, right? That Maury, we've seen this already with Simmons and we're going to see it now with Harden and like, he's just not gonna, he's just not going to do the thing where, Oh, you asked for a trade. You're a superstar. I'll trade you at all. Where do you want to go? Perfect. We'll, we'll work that out. Right. Um, so that's one. Um, yeah, I'd be pretty surprised. I mean, if you're asking me to make the case, like what happens for Embiid to ask out, it's that no Harden trade happens. He comes back, either he holds out or just, you know, just dogs it completely. Uh, maybe miss some games, they're teetering around 500 and just things aren't working well and be just getting frustrated. And the other thing that I think, this is uh, not conjecture, but something I'm interested in, in following this year is 
Game seven, Embiid's game seven performance and after that was um, it's one of the first times I think he can get a major blame for team's failure. And you're going to see, I think, the fans in Philly react a little differently. They have reacted differently to that. And I think we might see them react a little differently to him going forward. And I'm curious to see how that plays out in terms of there's frustration from the Philly fans and how Embiid, who historically has not responded well to that stuff. You know, he's had comments about like, oh, Sixers fans want to trade me or whatever. And been a little sensitive on things like that. Um, so that to me is another interesting little uh, narrative to follow here and to pay attention to is like his game seven uh, stinker, Sixers fans being frustrated with that and his reaction to their frustrations, it, that could poison the well a little bit. I'm, I'm curious to see how that how that plays out. All right, so that, that leads well into a question that I'm going to preface by saying is is probably a stupid question. Almost definitely a stupid no question. No such thing, remember? But, all right, well, dev, let's, call it, let's call it playing devil's advocate. I'll tell you. I'll tell you um, if it is, okay? Okay, thank you. Thank you. All right, so we're, we're talking about the, the reigning MVP here. Um, is there a world where Joel Embiid ass out and there's a case for the Knicks not going all in on him? I'll, I'll, I'll make it if you'll allow me to. Um, he will turn 30. During next season, the last center to make an all NBA team at age 30 or older was Marcus Gasol, And that was eight years ago. That was in 2015. Um, he obviously has a pretty extensive injury history. Um, as we've talked about, it's been highlighted in this podcast, many others on the, uh, in the past, he has never gotten out of the second round of the playoffs. So now you can argue that um, the Knicks team he would be coming to, and we could, we could go over what the package would look like. Even, even if like Maury, like really robs the Knicks is probably pretty clearly the second best team he's ever played on outside of that 2019 Jimmy Butler Sixers team that lost on the crazy Kawhi shot to the eventual champions in the Toronto Raptors. I would also argue that Jalen Brunson would pretty clearly be like the second best second banana he's ever had. I mean, heck you could argue Butler was the best player on that team. Um, All that being said, like, is it ultimately a reasonable bet that he's the number one guy on a championship team into his early thirties? Because I, I think the deal you're making would, would kind of necessitate that that is the bet you're making with the caveat that the Knicks would be ultra deep and maybe they wouldn't need the traditional like Jokic level Giannis level impact and someone like Embiid who's maybe in the playoffs and again feel free to push back on that because obviously there's a caveat that he's like never at quite a hundred percent in the playoffs like whether you want to use that as a pro or a con um like would that be enough for the Knicks to make a title run and and using the Daryl Morey logic would that give you enough title equity if you're a Knicks fan I hear you. I disagree. So here, I'll, I'll disagree on two parts. One is, I can make the argument, you know, why – I'm not going to make the argument why adding an MVP is good, right? Because, like, everyone who would disagree with you knows that. Just – I'll make a different argument. Like, to me, it's what are we doing here, right? Like, what, what's the point of all this? So, yeah, you can do the spinning assets down and keep playing for the future and waiting for the next thing and all that. Um but to me, that, that's not the point, especially when you're already good and when you already have a guy like Jalen Brunson. Um, and the Knicks fans listening to this know, you know, you want to take advantage of his, um, him on the current contract, whether the two-year window now, basically, before he opts yeah. out and gets whatever, all the money that Leon Rose can pay him over and under the table. Um, so, so, so to me, it's just like, yeah, I, you can make the case in terms of, an, like, I guess, from an asset standpoint, you can kind of make the case. Um but to me, that's like too, I'll say hinky-ish. You know, hinky wouldn't believe that. Like hinky's whole thing was superstars. I think most of the guys who believe in assets are always like, no, you get the top three player, like one of those guys who is a best player on championship level team. And I know Embiid's had his playoff struggles, but he's still the MVP. Like you just do that. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work or whatever. But just that's like, that's the whole point of this, right? Is to get guys like that and to be in the 
circle of contention. So that'd be my that'd be my biggest thing. As opposed, to, I mean, I can I can make the case basketball basketball wise why it would be good, and, and but no one needs to hear me make that case. I just to me, it's like, what's the point? The point is to try to win titles, and when you have the opportunity, or if you have the opportunity to add somebody like Joel Embiid, and who puts you in that uh, thrusts you into contention into a new stratosphere where you weren't before, uh, I think you have to do that. Yeah, I, uh, to be clear, uh, 100% agree with you. And I think in some ways, as much of a bet as it is at Embiid, it's a bet on Jalen Brunson and what what he did this postseason, closing out games against a team that, like, we're, we're, we're killers in the Miami Heat. And, and he was going at points three-on-one, four-on-one, dropping 41 on the road in that game six. Like, I, I'm okay going to war with that guy. And I think there's a world where, like, Embiid is a guy who, like, wins you some games in a series and is, like, consistently at 26 13 and a couple of assists and like maybe some games bigger than that but like when you're looking to close out games i think brunson is again more capable of that than anyone Embiid's ever played with outside of possibly butler in 2019 that's the bet you're making and you're also making the bet on keeping some depth so to me the package would um my friend and, and someone I, I think whose podcast you've also been on jonathan macri he made like a good case for it in his newsletter today I, I tend to agree with him i think it would be something along the line of rj barrett Probably Quentin Grimes instead of Emmanuel quickly because he's just a much more natural fit with Tyrese Maxey, Mitchell Robinson, and then a bunch of unprotected picks, maybe some pick swaps, probably all the picks that the Knicks have from other teams with the Knicks maybe retaining one or two future picks that they could do for one more deal going forward. And you're kind of left with a core of Jalen Brunson, Julius Randle, Joel Embiid, Emmanuel quickly, DiVincenzo, Hart, which sounds like, frankly, an awesome team to me. Um, what do you think the trade would look like given that the Knicks like would have to beat out essentially the rest of the NBA to go get Joel Embiid? Yeah, that sounds about it. I mean, I, the, I'll, uh, I'll simplify it. Like if Dow Moore, and again, like, I don't think you would trade Embiid for a, I don't know. I, I, that whole thing, we can talk about that. That I'm, I, I don't know how to hand, play that one or think about that, but I like, get hey, fine. If he was on board with trading Embiid and for some reason want to do it for a, uh, package of assets and not like, you know, spin things three ways or try to get stars back and remain in contention for whatever. Um, he, he's getting everything. Like he's getting it from, from the Knicks. Like he's getting everything he wants. He's getting, so every single pick that they can send gone. Uh, yeah. He, I mean, they can argue, they can hassle, but like haggle over things. Um, but like in the end, he's getting everything. So if you want, honestly, if you want Grimes and I mean, again, I know the cap stuff. I have to look at that, but like, if you want to grimes and quickly, I think you'd have to do end up doing that as well, right? And I get, I think once you're in it, you're just in it. Um, that'd be that's my opinion on that one. Yeah, that hurts to hear, but you're probably right. All right, <laughs> um, moving on, uh, from Joel Embiid and the Philadelphia 76ers. Uh, how do you feel about the Knicks offseason so far? Like, it, it, it's this weird confluence of like, oh, they're finally like kind of doing the thing everyone asked of them, which is like they, they built like a young, successful team and they're not immediately blowing it up and that that's also that's caused some agita amongst Knicks fans some support from others how, how do you feel about it no I think it's good like it's a little boring right that's not so exciting but that's cool um again take this from somebody who like didn't love their offseason last season and I was completely wrong because I didn't know Jayla Brunson was an all-NBA level player I'm convinced the Knicks didn't know that either by the way but that's besides the point um well I'm not convinced that they didn't do that how about that's that way to phrase that um yeah, they're making the right moves. Uh, I'm not worried about the power forward thing. I know that's something the Knicks some fans are like, I don't know. I don't think backup, backup four. If you're worried about like a backup four, then that's, I don't know. That's like a, the nerdiest of nerdy fandom. Pro- first like, first, first world problem, right? Not even anyway. Yeah. Like, not even, it's like, well, like that's 19 or 2000, 2004 problems, right? Yeah. Like not anymore. Um, 
Yeah, I'm curious to see the rotation. That That's something I'm really curious about to see with all the wings there. Uh, I'm curious to see what RJ looks like this season after up and down, I was going to say year, but really four years, whatever, career, right? Just yeah. like where you don't even know what to make of it. And at some point it is like, you, I, I, I want, we're very close. I think this is probably it. Like, to you are what you are, right? I think we're basically there. Given, I'll give him like one more half a season. To, oh, was there growth in the playoffs last year? Otherwise, you know, when you look at they clean the glass, uh, uh, you know, percentile, and it's all for shooting, and it's blue every single season and every single stat. And it's like, okay, at some point, we can say you got to work on your finishing, and it's actually no, you're just not a good finisher, right? You're just not a great shooter. Um, doesn't mean he's not a valuable player, but. That's no interested in. Randall obviously is a big one. You know, which Randall are we getting? I have never been a Randall fan. Um in terms of on the court play, in terms of his uh demeanor uh and leadership. Um obviously when he like puts the ball, he can be a great scorer. Uh I don't know what you do with Randall because there's not it's like one of these guys is probably impossible to trade because you're never gonna get fair. He's an all NBA guy, but nobody else really wants him. You're not gonna get a fair market for him. Um yeah, to me, I think they may. I mean, I'm just, I, I guess it's about growth quickly and Grimes and Barrett. Let's see what they three of them are and who's what quickly at the end. We step back in the postseason. Let's see if last season was more, uh, was sort of a hot streak. And his defense is great also. So I think that's something that I think can be consistent. Um, but see what those guys sort of, uh, those three sort of solidify as. Uh, and see also, you know, we have to always look at what Jalen Brunson is going to be year two as being the guy, like if scouting reports and things like that change on him. I think he's fantastic. I think the Knicks are, um, I'm going to say lucky, maybe lucky is the wrong phrase because he's clearly a guy they targeted, right? Like that was a guy they wanted. So you, and across results, like got to give him credit, right? They got a great player and a great leader who everyone loves. Um, I think the luck is that he was somebody given the family ties like he could have been a bum and an awful human being and they were still going to target him. Right. And it's the lucky part is the fact that like this guy who they made sure they were going to get is this a plus is an a plus in all these categories. And that's mm-hmm. yeah. Incredibly fortunate and really to me changes the feeling and trajectory of the franchise. I don't know. Like who's the, what's the last example of Is it you? I don't know who, like when you go back as a guy who was this good and this much of them of a, uh, foundational leadership piece. I don't even know what the, like who the last guy the Knicks had like this was, you know, I guess they were obviously used to this free well year. Carmelo, I guess we'll go to Carmelo. He was that good. And yeah. I don't know if he was a leader the same way, but just Brunson's like, it's the most exciting thing that I think the Knicks have had happen to them in about a decade. Right. And to me that that's, that changes the whole trajectory. Yeah. I mean, and, and his canter aside, no, I'm kidding. Um, yeah, I think, <laughs> I think, I think exactly. it's, yeah, I, th- I think, I think since Patrick Ewing, um, he is, he's pretty clear cut uh, that guy. And I, I'm, I'm entirely with you on quickly and RJ are probably my two biggest questions coming into the year. Like how it, it's fascinating with RJ, right? Because everyone got so excited about his postseason, myself included. And I thought the process was significantly better. And particularly in that Cavs series, like his ability to just like bully Karis Levert and like make Cleveland mm-hmm. not having Isaac Okoro on the court. That was really exciting. And then you look at the numbers and like the shooting percentage is the same. The three point percentage was yep. <laughs> Even the assist numbers were exactly the same. And Emmanuel Quickly, who was was terrible in the postseason, Quentin Grimes, who did not shoot well in the postseason, their on-offs were still dramatically better than R.J. Barrett. And there's, like, a world where, like, I would, like, posit, like, the best version of the Knicks is maybe starting, like, Quickly at the two and Grimes at the three and as undersized as they would be. Like, that's just putting your best players on the court. And, and Quickly, like, I think the fundamental issue there is, like, why is ultimately, like, he is kind of, like, I, I hate to put this in such graphic terms, but almost like a basketball like sheep being raised 
for Slaughter is like he like I think is destined to be a good starter last in somewhere. He was 24, five and four as a starter with like 47 percent from the field, 40 percent from three, 85 percent from the line and great defense. And I don't I, like I'm, I'm, I'm curious your opinion on this. Like, is there a world where the Knicks would ever try him and Brunson together? Because I honestly like the numbers were fantastic last year. Like those were some of the best lineups in the league. He's good enough defensively against most teams, but you can always argue like you're going to hit a matchup in the playoffs, like particularly the Celtics, like where you're going to be like made to pay for having that little size on the perimeter. They should. I mean, that's another thing. First of all, that was, that was the ironic part about quickly, right? That he was, I guess he was in six man um, of the year candidate, but his best numbers were when like most of his better numbers was when, were when he started, right? That's mm-hmm. one of the ironic parts. Um, related to that is Josh Hart, who we haven't mentioned, who I think actually Thibodeau, Thibodeau fell in love with for, uh, good reasons, right? Obvious reasons and valid reasons. Um, but I think he's also probably he was a little overexposed in the playoffs. So I, he oh, the bench is a perfect role for him, right? That's a mm-hmm. great role for him coming off the bench, and you could close games with him, whatever. But I, I think I, yeah, I would like him coming off the bench. If I was a Knicks fan, if I was the Knicks, I think I would push that um, and starting quickly. Um, whether Thibodeau will do, I, I, I don't know. Sometimes he, we know he defaults to. Uh, defense, we know sides is something that matters to him, right? So that'd be sort of my question there. How do you? We can we can we can wrap up on this, but but how do you feel about Tibbs and what do you think the Knicks have to accomplish this season? Like this sounds like I I don't think I think he's in a really good spot with Leon Rose. I'll, I'll start off by saying that, but like, is there a world where like the Knicks like take a step back this year, like just like they did after their last great season in twenty twenty one? And he's on the outs because I think people like I, I would don't even have to say people. I can just say myself like had real issues with some of the stuff he did in the playoffs and, and some of like the progress he seemed to make in the regular season. He walked back with, to your point, like playing RJ and Josh Hart down the stretch of playoff games. And we would watch like there was a reason there were four guys on Jalen Brunson. They were not being guarded. And even when Quentin Grimes wasn't hitting shots, like both statistically and eye test wise, I thought his impact was evident just having another shooter out there. Nominally, they got divincenzo for that reason but positionally it still doesn't line up for them to have enough shooting out there and that doesn't like tib seems to prize size and physicality over that and i think it could doom them again um that's a microcosm of these issues but like what is like the big picture way where this doesn't work for tibs and and i guess like if, if you want to finish up on this like what are fair expectations for this team this year so here's the thing with the Knicks. Tibbs was almost fired. Like I, I think it's been reported publicly. Also, oh yeah, right? I mean, he was like Ian Begley has like essentially come out and said like like if he didn't switch that nine man rotation and it worked, like he would have been gone. Yeah, there was like yeah, I don't want to. Maybe it was Cleveland. Like he was calling for. I think I even wrote this in a story. Like he called. I think I wrote this. Yeah, he at one point in the season he called somebody. Like they're gonna fire me. So I'm gonna play my guys or whatever. Like he knew it, it was he was about to be fired. Right. So for somebody who's about to be fired. Um, I can't say like, oh, he's his he's like, there's no chance he gets fired again. Like he's he's completely protected, right? And him and uh, the members of front office who are he hasn't been his biggest fans, right? Not Leon Rose, but, um, other people. Um, I would assume by this point, I think Tibbs has probably overcome that or solidified his standing. I mean, two two playoff runs in three years is in Knicks land nothing to uh, nothing to laugh at, like, nothing to be ignored. Um, I. I uh, I think Tibbs. I think Tibbs and Dolan have had a decent like Dolan is around or whatever sometimes, and I think Tibbs, uh, you know, does a good job. Uh, was I want to call it, serving his the owner there, right? Um, yeah. Well, I mean, what can go wrong? But if they lose if they lose ten out of twelve games to start the season. I mean, you know, if they start off three and eleven, you know, things go in mixed land and Madison Square Garden, right? The knives come out, and you could always be in trouble. I'd be pretty surprised again. 
I'm, I'm not this repeat. Um, I think Jalen Brunson is sort of the, uh, the insurance here, right? That like, it shouldn't all be, it wasn't all smoke and mirrors, right? Maybe two years ago, it felt a little like that. Um, last year, it did not, it did not the same thing. Cause again, you have an all NBA guy. And if you have Julius Randle, let's say regular season, Julius Randle, right? Like that's two top 30 players. And I'm being conservative there, right? Like that's, that's should your, your, your floor should be pretty high with those two guys in tow um, and the depth that they have. So I think they'll be fine. Uh, reasonable expectations. I mean, getting at, like, I think reasonable is like, if you're, I think if you're a Knicks fan, this is your current team. If you win a playoff series, you should be pretty happy. Right. I think they, the Cavs will be better. Um, let's assume maybe I should like Dame ends up in Miami, Milwaukee, Boston, I know Philly's a bit of a mess, but just um, who am I forgetting? Those are, who am I else am I forgetting? All right, Cleveland. So those, Cleveland, right? They're gonna be better. Like again, I think reasonable. Yeah, like you want to say conference finals to be like the Super Bowl, but I think like you know let's, let's win a playoff series. That'd be my thinking on next year. If they win a playoff series and they look better, uh, maybe a competitive second round. Like that to me is a uh, will be reasonable expectations and ones that if they fulfilled all those, I'd be pretty happy. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm with you. I, I think I I, I really look towards like. Randall just like not like stepping off the seesaw, having the same season Mm -hmm. and RJ quickly and Grimes all making meaningful steps forward. And I think that combined with DiVincenzo, like I, I think there's a world where they are a fantastic regular season team. 56 win pace post Josh Hart. Part of that was Grimes shooting really well. Part of that was Brunson stepping up to another level, but I could see them like finishing this year as a top three seed, maybe even like with some, something bad happening in Boston, Milwaukee, a top two seed. Um, whether like how that translates to the playoffs, I have no idea. I, I'm, I'm with you. I think that is totally reasonable, but you know what? That should have Knicks fans pretty optimistic. And we, we just said it, Joel Embiid's coming in a year, so uh, we can wait <laughs> on that. Uh, but Jerome Weitzman, uh, thank you so much for your time. Can, can you tell everyone one final time where they can find all your great work and, and where they can buy uh, your book, which is fantastic? Sure. Check, it, the, uh, check my stuff out at Fox Sports. You can follow me on Twitter. Uh, I put a threads account. Did you make guys make threads account? I'm out. I can't do that. I haven't. I, I made I, one. It, it's too much for me. I haven't, I, I haven't done it yet. When the date Twitter shuts down, I'll, I'll go there. That's what it is. I need one place. I don't care where it is. Just tell me the one place where everybody is and I'll be there. So right now it's Twitter still. Um, and uh, yeah, the book is where books are uh, sold and all that stuff. You want to learn a little, you know, if you want to get excited for Joel Embiid. I did, uh, if I may say so myself, there's some uh, good reporting on his backstory and who he is as a person, I think, uh, you know, if you're interested in learning about him, you'll gain some insight from there. Must read for all Knicks fans. You heard it here first. Sure thing. Indeed. <laughs> to the Knicks, your own. Thank you for your time. And we'll talk to you soon on Locked On. Knicks. Thanks, man. My pleasure. Very sweet. Thanks for me. I haven't, I, I haven't done it yet. When, when the date Twitter shuts one, down, I'll, I'll go there. That's what it is. I need one place. I don't care where it is. Just tell me the one place where everybody is and I'll be there. So right now it's Twitter still. Um, and uh, yeah, the book is where books are uh, sold and all that stuff. If you want to learn a little, you know, if you want to get excited for Joel Embiid, I did. Uh, if I may say so myself, there's some uh, good reporting on his backstory and who he is as a person. I think, uh, you know, if you're interested in learning about him, you'll gain some insight from there. Must read for all Knicks fans. You heard it here first. Short thing, Joel Embiid <laughs> to the Knicks, your own. Thank you for your time, and we'll talk to you soon on Locked On. Thanks, man. My pleasure. you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 
96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.